hello and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben as usual, but today is a very special day as we actually have another guest on the show, uh, even though we couldn't promise Shane Tilton this week, we kind of <laughs> we kind of scheduled him for the show without knowing his schedule, so we kind of messed that up. But anyway, there's yeah, two sobs in the country. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> he is now, but he wasn't when we wanted to do the show. But today, uh, episode 42, we're going to be talking about retro video games. And we actually have two som sacks on the other end of the microphone from me. So it's me trying to uh, hold my own against two som sacks. But Andy Somsack is here with us, Ben's younger brother. Uh, it's great to have him here and great to have another voice uh, on the show. And he's actually kind of dabbled a little bit in retro video game culture as well as the history. So he's going to be uh, on there to talk to us about that. So it's going to be fun. Uh, without further ado, Ben, how you doing, dude? Oh, it's been a good day. It's a good Sunday for recording. Kind of marginal weather outside. Good day to sit inside and record Young Nostalgia. <laughs> oh, God. The worst part is that you guys are just looking at each other, and all I can see is that you guys are giggling. And it's like, oh man, did I say something weird? <laughs> yeah. We've actually got like little whiteboards here, and we're like <laughs> writing notes to each other, like, oh, look at this Nolan idiot. <laughs> well, like I did tell you before we hit the record button, I'm fully clothed today so andy did not have to experience that unfortunately <laughs> andy man how you doing uh, pretty good i mean pretty great yeah okay good <laughs> got the got the it. string of got as much vocabulary as your brother i see but Quite it's good profound. to have you on man <laughs> so uh today we're going to be talking about retro video games uh we're going to walk through the generations um kind of what consoles consoles were with those generations uh with the release the video game crash of 1983 how it kind of rebounced and then we're going to wrap up the show with having a huge input of andy and kind of asking open wide questions of what retro consoles we grew up with, what do we still own, kind of what did we really enjoy about video gaming throughout our childhood. Um, so the beginning of the show is kind of be uh, a lot like Young Nostalgia that you're used to. Andy's going to chime in with a lot of factoids that he knows about while we talk about the generations. Um, but we told him that he has to force his way into the conversation until we get to the questions. So <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be fun. Don't really throw me under the bus here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump whole, right whole on show in. Dependent on me. <laughs> well you are the guest yeah that's true as long as you feel appreciated man that's all we're trying to do <laughs> some points i don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right ben why don't you jump us into generation uh well i guess the the generation before generation one right right <clears throat> so early on it was mostly academic computer scientists uh <laughs> were designing <laughs> extremely simple simple games and simulations as part of their research and many times this is just text-based adventure games like the uh, <clears throat> Oregon Trail, Zork, all that sort of stuff and you know I, I, I've i played around a little bit on stuff like this um, I have one of my one of my grandpas has a uh, old Commodore 64 that I've played a little <laughs> bit on here and there and so you know some of this early stuff is while I don't know a ton about it um, I am a little bit familiar with it um, and that was, you know, the, playing those games, I mean, that's when there was no mouse or anything. You have to literally turn on the computer and type in your commands and, <laughs> you know, you got to be able to, to specifically command the computer for exactly what you want to do. You know, it, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother side topic. We could talk about the, the, the ridiculousness that old computers had. Um, but moving on a little bit. Throughout the 1970s and 80s, gaming became more mainstream, um, especially with arcades. Um, and then later on, you know, around this time, actually, uh, just the additions of joystick uh, graphical images and other types of input devices in general really kind of led the way with games. I mean, they, it just made them, it made it to where you could do more things rather than just like arrow key it around. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and enter like you know one letter off the keyboard just to be able to like hit r for run program or what have you yeah yeah i mean you know now you're you're we're getting after the the very early text-based video games you know getting into actually being able to use a joystick with a button on it you know to aim and shoot or whatever you're doing um 
in the game. And so it, it make it takes it from just really, really computer people and starts to bring it more into the mainstream consumer in their understanding of computers where you don't necessarily have to know everything there is about computers. You just kind of, you can just get on and play. Exactly. Exactly. How about you, Andy? You got uh, any experience I, with kind of the, the basic programming and gaming um, that kind of started it all? I really have little to no experience with any of this. I haven't done anything with it. I mean, I've played a little bit of arcade stuff, but nothing, nothing any older than that for sure. Not all I've right. played with any of that. <laughs> well, that's the end of the show. I guess we'll talk to you next week. But uh, it's actually pretty cool. One of my uh, good friends here in Lincoln um, got an Apple II a couple months back. And it's actually kind of cool because it's still kind of prime, like primitive in terms of the video games. Uh, and like they had those really just loose and kind of fragile floppy disks that oh. <laughs> that just that you could like, if you bend in one wrong way or something, it's ruined. Um <laughs> I don't know if you guys have much experience with Apple II's, but you know that kind of was interesting in the fact that like it brought home computing into video games, and a lot of times like they kind of pirated video games on those floppy disks, and you would just oh, yeah. hand them out at school everywhere. Um, yeah, and well, have, that was like, before. Multiple different platforms and stuff. That was really before any sort of major encryption, you know. And games they weren't they were just a file that you ran. You know, it wasn't. There wasn't any sort of uh, validation or verification on the disks or on the file or anything like that. So as long as you had the data, you just had to slap it in and play it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And that was the time where like a whole bunch of different add-ons to your computer to play different video games and all that. And right. everything's so big, blocky, and heavy. and oh, It's too fun. <laughs> yeah. But that's funny that you bring up the Apple II because that's something that, Andy, you've been looking at, haven't you? The, I've been looking at some older Apple computers, yeah, but not. I mean, j- just for the old factor of it, nothing. Not specifically not, the game. Yeah, not like the gaming-oriented kind of thing. Okay, I'm okay. sure that right. you would. You know, once the the novelty, you know, a couple weeks go by, and you're kind of gotten familiar <laughs> with the computer and stuff, I'm sure you would oh, yeah. d- dive headfirst into all that stuff. That's what it ended up being. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right something short and quick uh, i'm sure andy is going to start jumping in here so generation one during the 1970s the first actually generation of video game consoles emerged this included like popular games like pong kind of the plug and play straight into your tv um you know kind of kind of thing and then arcades actually kind of took off so this is a lot of like this big bulk bulky uh arcade games um that kind of had like the graphical aspect of it where people would actually just go spend coins to be able to play like dig dug or you know oh. something like that dig dug dig dug's lame oh what? <laughs> what of all of the games dig dug is like low dig just because you're bad at it just because oh my god i love it yeah but dig you dig can't really good. go you can't you can't go wrong with pac-man though or miss pac-man yeah, that's true. We have uh, we have one of those modern things. You plug it into the TV and it runs on batteries, you know, and it's got the old arcade games on it. And kind of go in fits and spurts here and there. You know, we'll play it really hard and then it'll sit for a couple months. And But, I don't know, those games, you, they're... There's there's no... Not like newer games where you have to work through a story or anything like that. It's You just hop on and play. Well, a lot of the games on those, kind of, on those consoles like that are not necessarily old games, but new games to that are made to emulate old games that aren't branded or anything. They're just new games that are supposed to be kind of like the old ones. That's true. And even if they are branded as the old games, they're totally rewritten because for the uh-huh. most part, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not using archaic forms of code and stuff to, to write these games. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that we have here is, you know, the emergence of Pong and the, <laughs> it, the first thing that I think of about Pong is, and I'm sure you both know about it is, when they got Pong in that 70s show <laughs> and Red and Kelso become like <laughs> crazy good at it. And then their end goal is to, they cracked open the, the, the game and they were going to shorten the paddles. <laughs> 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 and there you like, you see him, I mean, obviously it's just a show and they're just, you know, clinking around in like an empty box on the show but yeah they're in there with like screwdrivers and pliers and just poking around it's uh yeah <laughs> trying to like physically shorten the paddles that, oh my god well that's the thing about pong is pong was hardware based 
It was, but it's not oh. like you're going to be in there doing it. That's not. It's true, but the yeah, game but you're was still working still on the board. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There's something about that that just cracks me up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> gonna just, just the be- paddles because people don't really understand how video games really worked back then. Right. So. Right. And you know, like, well, Andy did say it was hardware, so it, there would be an element of physical changes to make that happen. That's what makes the game so hard to emulate is the fact that the game is more hardware than software based. Overall, interesting. Right. Yeah, and that that kind of thing just kind of boggles my mind too, because now we think of all it takes is a hard drive and a CPU to make a game. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you can do anything you want. That's basically a computer right there. You can do anything yeah. you want on it. Well. I mean, something like that that's hardware-based, it's not smart at all. You know, it's not its not really doing the thinking and the calculations that we would expect from a, a modern-day computer. I mean, it is, but it's, it's more of a... It's more of an electrical-based game rather than an electronic-based game. I see what you're saying. Kind of a weird distinction there, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you're more relying on the the purpose of the circuits on the board rather than ones and zeros coming out. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, I'm sure we got way more in depth in that than you know, any of our <laughs> listeners cared to. <laughs> we just That's okay, had like, though. <laughs> little nerd moment there, but uh, <laughs> okay. So we'll move on to generation uh, two of video games. Uh, where they really, this is when they really, really started to pick up pace and become more mainstream. So this is still um, in the 1970s, first generation of home consoles, um, and I mean, it's 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 not like you know, at this point, it's not like it's that one person on the block that you know. Oh, this person has this magical pong game. Well, this is when everyone starts to get it, um, and 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 it's also uh, it's also when arcades became more mainstream rather than in just big cities and you know it's not it's less of just a a destination spot it's more of just like that's what you go do on a saturday yeah yeah and this all goes with i'm sorry go ahead ahead. i was just gonna say what like this kind of became where like the arcade was the place to go on the weekend like on a friday night after school is that all your friends would like go get pizza and then you'd spend the night at the arcade Rather than, you know, the drive-in movie theater or something like that. Right. Yeah. And and, and along with this, I mean, as the technology's um, getting better all the time, as you know, it's getting much cheaper to manufacture this stuff, and so prices of buying a little console or going to an arcade are constantly going down. You know, just like anything does. I mean, any. It doesn't matter if it's computers or if it's a company that makes chairs you know <laughs> yeah. you know the longer it's around the cheaper it's going to get and this goes along the way the, the same way and this i mean that's really taken us through and I, I said 70s and it's more late 70s 1978ish through very early 80s 1982ish all right now we're going to move in kind of to where i know a lot of us are probably going to be a little bit more familiar with the gen 3 video game uh, mm-hmm. home consoles and then this is kind of where the popularity really came with where home gaming came more of a norm so this actually started back in 1983 uh, and went up through 1985 where there's a major recession in video games called the video game crash and from here it was mainly just because there was such a saturate satu- saturation of video games within arcade and pong and all of these different companies just adding into the video game field and so pretty much Video game stock just went down, video game prices went plummeted, and just the value of video games kind of left. But here is where we see the switch of U.S. gaming into Japan becoming the main powerhouse of video games, which I'm sure Andy has a lot of uh, ideas um, and kind of factoids on this. So what, what happened is that this is where the Nintendo Entertainment System came out um, and actually started the 8-bit units of video gaming and so the nes actually started being the catalyst of ending the crash and kind of bringing out the recession and making video gaming so popular as to what it is today i mean people still talk about nes and the amazing games that were on it right and i think i think the nes is probably the one of the biggest iconic game consoles i mean even if someone's not into 
old video games or anything like that, or even is interested in video games, you still see people walking around with NES shirts or merchandise or, you know, that's branded with old Nintendo stuff. It's just such yeah. a huge, iconic brand. Well, the NES was, like, considered to be what brought us out of that game crash. Like, the console that brought us back from that crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know, I, I, that's one of the things that I remember. I mean, that's, obviously, that's the first video games I've ever experienced, I've ever been experienced with. And I had, uh, uh, we, uh, our family uh, had one ever since I can remember, and I've still got one. It's a different console. Um, that's another story where our mom, uh, sold our <laughs> console in a grad sale cool. but, uh, um, <laughs> side story so i had to uh so event you know it's one of those things where i wasn't going to go down this path but now i'm going to go down this path it, kinda, <laughs> it still kind of bugs me <laughs> well it's one of those things you set it down for a while you know a couple years stuff's coming out and you set it down for a couple years and sitting in the basement and then a couple years go by and then you go down there looking for it like what the heck Where'd it go? All the games are gone. Can't find the Nintendo and go ask mom. I'm like, oh, I got rid of that a long time ago. Oh. What? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> and so I've kind of been slowly building up my collection. I'm trying to been trying to get the same games that I had back in the day. And of course, you know, it's funny when I go back and play them now. It's like, it's like, wow, I used to think these were really hard, and I'll just sail through one of them, you know, <laughs> in like one life, and I'll beat the whole game. Like, okay, wow, well, it's still fun, yeah. but doesn't not really as hard as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway that was kind of a that was kind of a tangent no you're but, fine uh, and i mean just to add on to that is like when you have old consoles like that from back in the day and you kind of grew up with it you don't think long term in terms of keeping it and whatever new mm-hmm. stuff comes out better looking better operating systems video games all that comes out so it's like obviously the nes is going to sit to the side but then when you grow up and then you see the nes you're like man i had a blast with that and so you want to bring that back out, but back then you weren't thinking long-term, so right. you wouldn't and, have it anymore. And you got to think about it from this viewpoint, too. Uh, me and you, me and Nolan, are 23 years old. <laughs> um, Andy's 15, and so he's even less out of this. But <laughs> by the, when I was playing an NES, that was well past its prime at even you know, even at that point, and this would be yeah. uh, it wouldn't be in the '90s probably. It'd be like really early 2000s, um, and so that's already getting close to 20 years after the NES came out. And so at that point, you're really not thinking about it because I just played that when I was young, and I we had no other video games or anything like that, and I wasn't like a super gamer or anything like that. So it's not like I was really itching to go get the new PlayStation or the new Xbox or anything. Oh yeah, like yeah. That. So it's I just played it for fun and you know didn't really think much about it and. Played it for the game that it was, and not for the graphics or whatever. Played it for the actual quality of gameplay. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and what? Then, what's your experience with the NES then, uh, Andy? Since you know you are younger than us, but you also are growing up kind of with that resurgence of retro uh, pop culture, retro video games, especially with Ben getting an NES again. Well, I I, I was never really good. <laughs> I'm still not good. So. <laughs> So I wasn't as, ta- as attached to it as Ben was. Like, I like the old games and stuff, and I know a lot of small things about them, as well, mostly the NES, but I, I, I'm, I can't play them at all. I'm terrible. <laughs> so I, I never really made that connection with them. I just like the games for the hardware that's in them and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. you're more into the tech behind it rather than the playing. Yeah, and the, the small games. little glitches in the games and stuff, stuff like that that was not ironed out because of the old consoles. Mm-hmm. Like, I just yeah. like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So do you have anything to kind of talk about in terms of like what made the NES so popular that like kind of brought it out of brought us out of that recession, the video game recession? Mhm. Um I, you know <laughs> silence. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. We had a, a little bit of an audio <laughs> hiccup there. And so oh, it was okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're just not really sure if the person's done talking or or not. You know, we gotta think we're doing this from eight hundred miles away, so there's bound <laughs> yeah, to be I little know. hiccups here and there. I know. Um, yeah, and you know, as as much as we are into, I'm saying we as in Andy and I, because that's when we play. You know, we we know our NES pretty well and that sort of thing. We have zero experience with the Super Nintendo, which was directly afterwards. Okay. Um, which is you know, 
it's six six. <clears throat> it would make sense that it's sixteen byte bit consoles rather than the old eight bit. And no, no, that's just a common theme that you're going to see throughout games in general. Is you know it's going to double every time, um, as with most uh, most software stuff. You see that. I mean, it's we're up into gigantic bit games now if you yeah. want to think of it that way it's so big that that's not even how they rate games anymore 4k yeah no, no kidding <laughs> um <laughs> but uh and you know that's something i've really wanted for a long time is to you know play in snes and uh you know okay i can't say i've never played one i guess i mean i have all kinds of emulators Oh and that yeah. sort of thing. So I've played some of the games in that sort, and like on my laptop, or I've even got a Wii with a bunch of emulators on it. Um, College days. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. But I've, I just, I still feel like you just don't get the same effect out of it playing the old game. You know, you don't have to blow in the cartridges anymore. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I miss it. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like you don't get the effect of the old game with the new Wii controllers or whatever. You gotta have the old controllers with their button feedback. Like they're it's special oh. to the console, not not yeah, to anything yeah. else. You, Nothing else can replace the controllers. Even if you're using a decent modern controller, it doesn't feel like the old controller because it seems like you gotta push the old buttons like an inch and a half in before <laughs> they register. And yeah, yeah. you have to. <laughs> you can only move five feet away from the console, so you have to, you can't even sit on your couch anymore. So you have to sell yeah, the floor no to be able kidding. to play it. <laughs> yeah. So, course, okay. You also got to think about that too. You don't have to worry about your batteries going dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very true. That's very true. Okay. So I feel like we just need to breeze through these generations and start getting into some questions because yeah, we probably do because we're kind of moving that way on our own in general. Yeah. yeah. All right, so um, Gen 5 was from 93 to 2006. This kind of included uh, the Sega Dreamcast, N64, PlayStation 1, the 32 to 64-bit era. Uh, and, and this is kind of where Sony started to emerge as a player in video games and kind of took it over in Gen 6, which was throughout the 2000s from 98 to about 2013. And that was like the Xbox, PS2, GameCube, uh, and, and lumped in there with Gen 7 was the 360, PS3, Wii, and then we'll round it out with Gen 8, uh, which is right now the 2013 to present, Xbox One, PS4, Wii U, Switch, all that good stuff. Right. And, you know, I have more modern consoles, but this it's something that I'm not super... My knowledge of individual consoles really goes down once we start getting into um, pretty much anything after Gen 5, you know, with the the N64 PlayStation 1. I also had a PlayStation 1 growing up, um, and it was a lot of fun. But pretty much anything after that, I know about them, but I don't know much about them, if that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know about you, Nolan. Whether, I don't I don't really know what you had as far <clears throat> as this era of gaming goes. But Okay. Uh, I mean, we can just I know I don't have much. I, I understand, but we can transition right into this. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but we're starting to get into like what systems did we grow up with. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, to be honest, in my household, I didn't really start getting into it until Gen 5 as well. Like we didn't have an NES or an SNES. Uh, I know my dad had Pong, but we didn't like he didn't have it by the time I was born and we we moved into the, our you know our house that we grew up in but it was big for my brother and we got a PS1 actually so I really grew up with the PlayStation both PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 but I have fond memories of the PS1 especially I had um like one of those like very highly regarded Spider-Man games it was just called Spider-Man <laughs> and I played that thing to death like I had that thing memorized inside and out and actually uh, I actually just picked up the game again um, after having a PS2 here with me now. And so I picked up the game and played it and played through it within about a day and a half, maybe about <laughs> three hours total. I beat the entire game, but I love it. <laughs> so PS1 was what I really grew up with um, starting out. Like Crash Bandicoot was huge for me um, oh, and that kind that of thing. The greatest, the original Crash Bandicoot was probably one of my favorite games of all time. I know. Phenomenal. I've never played that. I've only played the dumb Crash Bandicoot knockoff games that are not knockoffs, but 
they were like the challenge games or any of that. Oh yeah, what was I, the one that we had? It was Crash Bandicoot Arcade or something, something like, like that. that. But it was just a bunch of challenges and stuff, and it was. And I have played a little bit of the original, but it's only on emulators, and I, I haven't had any experience with it. Yeah, I've, yeah, I don't have a PS1 anymore, um, and... I have been looking into getting a PS1, because I, I really like them. I've, I've been looking into, like, the modding area of a oh. PS1. Oh, right. okay. Because all it takes, like, they read CD-ROMs, and so Andy could just get a PS1 and then just download pretty much any game that he wanted, and then it'll read the CD-ROM. Well, the PS1 was, like, the... Like the starting of the real, um, I don't know how to put this, games that were, you couldn't just download and stuff. Locked, locked games. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they, they had like region locked games before this, but now they have games that were to the console only. Like then PS1 had those black discs. Yeah. Um, and you, I don't know all the technicalities of it, but you couldn't just put it on a DVD or a CD and play it like it. Right, because I know they read you. You could read CD-ROMs and basically just play audio if you wanted to play a CD through your entertainment system or something like that. I know that I know that they used to do that. Mm-hmm. They had a media player on them, but I don't think that you can get. I don't think there's enough space. However, a CD is format. However, the the because uh, it would only read like an MP3 CD or I don't even think it would read a data CD at all. No, it would. And not. so, so. there just wasn't the data capabilities of reading from a cd-rom and i don't i don't know anything really about the formatting of a playstation one game disc um and so i think that would be kind of tricky you would not only have to have a way of buying those but you would also have to have a way of writing those and having some sort of external device that would read and write them Um, i'm sure it can be done and i'm sure it's been done by people but you know i just I don't know the ins and outs of doing that kind of stuff. That's a little bit before my time. So Andy, how like how would you go about doing that kind of thing? I mean, like I think it's really interesting to kind of hear your input on this because of Ben and I actually like we've played the actual systems for what they were. Like back then that like that whole modding and getting those games and all that stuff was not very, you know, popular to widespread belief. But now it's like we, you know, when you're kind of generation, you're looking back at the retro consoles that you really enjoy, but you can like take so much more out of them than what we kind of knew about. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not so much looking into the, the making of games on the, on the same pirating of games, <laughs> but I'm looking at more actual good, good save. Good save. <laughs> I'm not looking at that. I'm looking into more like the hardware modding of the console to make it play these games but play them to a better quality and not terrible like it actually was in the day you know i i want to play the old games on the original console but i don't want them to be run bad so you're thinking of like uh boosting processing and ram and that sort of thing maybe playing with video cards and that sort of thing playing with video cards and they're they're it's as simple as taking there are small chipsets that you can just get solder into your board and then it's better like I, that, that is pretty simple, but that that's about as easy as it is. And that's, that's pretty really cool, cool that that's like a thing that you can do. Yeah, because yeah. on stuff now, that's that's not you can't. It's not as simple as that. I mean, it can be done, but it's not as easy as just plug. Essentially, making something happen like it. Right, and that's console based because that's still a huge thing as far as uh, PC gaming. Yeah, okay. yeah, and that kind of. That is PC gaming. Yeah, that's true. If you're not happy with how this game runs in this way, you just go buy a new whatever and slap it in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool by <laughs> yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when we were playing these games, of course, we were a lot younger, though, too. Think about if we were playing these games, like, now. We would probably be thinking about that kind of thing. That's you true. Know, let's be honest here. I would, probably. <laughs> um, that's, that is very true. <laughs> but... Uh, so and yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I didn't really have that much more to to offer into it. I was just gonna say that this is kind of, I mean, this has been a common theme, though, for a while because it's you know even into like the Xbox 360 days, um, I know it was pretty common for people to do what's called JTAGging an Xbox. Uh huh. Yeah. And I don't know really all the ins and outs. I know you have to sideload in software. And I think there are slight modifications to the board. I think you're basically adding a jumper in somewhere. 
something like that. I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I never really looked. I, getting into that kind of stuff, it's like, it's you're getting into like where you're getting into new consoles and where it's like, yeah, I really don't want to accidentally screw up this new console that costs several hundred dollars. Like that's where that that and that's where it gets risky too because like if you do it on the older PS One or on PlayStation One older stuff like that you don't have the the internet and people looking at stuff you're doing like if it's an Xbox Three Sixty you can get in trouble for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, at the very yeah. least, I mean, it's what they if they catch you doing it, they just kick you off the you can't play games online anymore. Yeah, and yep. that's for good reason, but it's still a problem that you run into. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of got to look at the older stuff for that. Yeah, that's very true. Yep. I like it. I like it. And, and I mean, <laughs> I don't want to like go down the rabbit hole, but it's interesting that when Andy talked about how they like coded their games differently for PS1, it's gotten even more extreme with later on. So like when you JTAG or something like that with your Xbox, you actually have to, like Ben was right, where you have to change the program to actually just like be able to read a regular DVD-ROM instead of the specific like 360 games that they were. So you'd be able to like make a DVD-ROM, burn it from your computer, put it in your 360, and it'd be able to read it that way rather than the actually specifically made discs uh, that, that were actually made by the publishers. Yeah, and that's – it's uh, – because what it's – what it, really what it comes down to doing is it's – when you put a disc in a console, the first thing it does is it reads a section on the disc that says, hey, yep, this is a validated game. Yep. Um, and you're good to go to play it. And what you're doing when you're kind of bypassing that stuff is you're you're forcing the console to disregard that step. You pretty much just skip over it and then just play the game. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I also don't want to go down too much, too in depth to it into the actual OS operating system of the consoles. Just you know, it's I don't know how much our listeners want to hear me nerd out about that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's really big to, just to illustrate the point, it's really big to, you can, there is an option to, you can load your games onto the hard drive of your console. That way they play faster and you don't yeah. have to read them from the discs. But the thing is, you're loading all the data from the game onto the thing. You're basically taking an image of what's on the disc and putting it on the console. But you still have to have the disc to put in the game. To put in yep. the console to play the game, and that's because it still has to read that acting like a key. Basically, that's exactly what it is. Because once the game starts, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you if it would let you, you could take the game out, the disc out, and still be playing the game. Now, obviously, you can't do that, um, but it doesn't care. It's not reading anything from the disc, and but yeah. you still have to have it as a digital key to get it started. Exactly. Well, that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but I'm glad we kind of uh, glanced at it. All right, so let's uh, let's move on down um, to a last couple of questions. So, Andy, dude, so we've talked a lot about kind of emulators and kind of the way that you're looking at retro video games a lot differently than what Ben and I could be looking at them. So what is your actually outlook of retro gaming into the future? Like, do you think it's kind of going to wane off of this high of, you know, millennials being like, oh, my God. These retro video games that I grew up with are so awesome. So we're actually going out buying the actual consoles, buying the cartridges, buying the games. Do you think that's going to wane off and kind of become more of a digital market with retro video games when it comes to remastering and emulators and all that? Like, what what do you think is going to happen to retro games while you grow up? Well, like already there are small consoles that like Nintendo has put out um, that are meant that look like the old consoles that are real small and have a bunch of games preloaded on them so that that'll keep it going for a while but overall i don't think it's going to stop like the games themselves may not be software wise the best games but they're timeless like they they have the same storyline the whole time and they're they're solid overall they're not glitchy games or not it's not like they're bad games they're just old well now let me ask this to kind of going along with that you know, no one talked about the... I don't know if you've looked at it too much. The NES, it looks like the old NES console, but it's preloaded with all the games. Mm-hmm. I have heard horrible things about those. Really? That they don't work well. Um, and I don't know what you've heard about them. I Maybe I was just getting the... You know, it's kind of like uh, the... You, only, you really only hear the two extremes of something, you know. And it could be okay, but you hear the people complain about it the most. 
Maybe that's what it is. But uh, it, I, looking at it from my point of view, I think it worries me a little bit that people will see that and that it's junk and then totally be turned off by it. Okay. All right. And I don't know. I don't know what you what you Andy have heard about anything about it either. Well, I haven't heard anything, but. I know that there's third-party companies doing it as well, and I'm sure those ones are bad. Like, I, they've been third-party companies have been doing it for a long time, and like I said earlier, those games are just terrible. Mm-hmm. They're all, yeah. they're they're bad, and it. I don't. I could now. I could totally be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Nintendo has put out one of these actually by Nintendo, mm-hmm. and I would assume that would be pretty good. I haven't actually had that much experience with it myself. I just know it's a thing. Um, I don't. I don't think it will turn anybody off, though. Okay. Like, they they know what they're getting into when they get it. Like, this is not an actual console. This could not be as good as I want it to be. You know? that, yeah, that's true. And that's kind of with the, uh, who is it? Oh boy, I just lost it. Atari. They did that. It was it probably three or four years ago now? They put out an Atari console, all styled retro and that sort of thing. And it actually, I've actually watched reviews on this and how bad it is, and it was atrocious. I think, yeah, I remember right. And there was things about how, like, the controllers just didn't respond. It was awful. Cause well, they, they, they came out with it, and they advertised wireless controllers. Well, yep. they, they're not Bluetooth. They're not radio frequency. They're not anything like that. They're infrared, just like your remote control <laughs> for your infrared. TV. I did not hear anything about this. So you've got your, your lag time, or and you have to have it pointed directly at the receiver. Like, what... What idiot thought that would be a great idea? And, <laughs> and you know, that's something... That's kind of where I was going with that because you, they were really hyping. Atari stuff was getting really big, and then they came out with this console, and then they kind of, you don't really hear much anymore. And that's kind of where I was going with the Nintendo thing. I Yeah. It's something like you just, you just gotta, you gotta nail it if you're gonna do it. Mm hmm. And obviously, Atari did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, I mean, Nintendo, that's. I mean, they've been known well, for Ninten- years for putting out rock-solid products. At- Atari was never as big as Nintendo. I mean, they were big, but they're they were they were huge. But they were not. Nintendo is still the was still the biggest at that time. Like Atari would never compete then or now, yeah. especially now because N- Atari is like nothing now. That's yeah. That's very and, true. and Nintendo's still putting out new stuff, new yeah. good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. new new amazing stuff. Um, and I mean, I, I guess my side thought is like, I, I'm with Andy in terms of like, I don't think it'll ever go away necessarily just because of the new revital, um, the new like revival with like these like NES classics and SNES classics where like they have a whole bunch of preloaded ROMs on there of old games. Um, but I do think it's very interesting that the point that Ben brought up is how some of these could have problems with with all these preloaded games is because of like they might be putting in cheaper software and like cheaper hardware into these systems because they know people are going to buy them but like back in the day they wanted to do the best they could so people would buy their product but now it's like we know people are going to buy them because they loved these games back then so they could make cheaper products, sell a whole bunch more. And like, you know, I'm sure Andy knows a little bit about this, where like when those consoles came out with like the NES Classic and SNES Classic, those things were sold out for months. Like nobody could get a, get one anywhere for months after they released. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were sought after when they first came out. But I mean, obviously they've phased out a little bit because it's been a while, but you know, you you kind of brought up you you got me thinking about something about how you know what maybe it and as long as if they they re-release something as long as it's not absolutely awful if it's not quite as good as the original you know there might be some sort of psychology behind it as well because if you go out and buy this old this repopped old console and you get it and you bring it home and it's not that great well. If you're into modern games and that sort of stuff, how they've gotten better over time, you're probably looking back at the old games and like, oh, they're, they were so crappy, but they're fun. Yeah. And then you bring this thing home and it's not very good. Maybe maybe you're not going to notice it as much if they're a little bit crappier because 
that's you're, kind of your memory of like all oh, those games were so they they didn't run well and they were crappy but they were you know just a lot of fun in my childhood mm-hmm. well maybe they would have a hard time just making a distinction between how the old games actually ran on the real console and the newer stuff that might be a little bit different but still works and maybe that's something that they're just trying to kind of to uh it's just a fine line that maybe they're trying to tow um as far as you know uh, productivity and uh being cost effective that's true but that's a hard thing to think about because in reality the old games were not graphically intensive or anything but they ran good like for the most part those old games nes snes those games they were fundamentally good running games and yeah and it so that it makes it hard to to make them not as good now yeah because i I, mean maybe that's what (coughs) sorry go ahead maybe that's what you thought of as running like when you like not me but when you thought of it when you were a kid they're running bad but in like playing them now they they're not they don't run terrible i mean they knew their limits for software yeah that's that's true and you know a lot really you know a lot of the problems that you do get when you're running those old games especially with cartridges is you just that's a that's a a physical hardware problem. Yep, like Not like a, a battery, connection. like the battery save, like the save battery and all that going out. Oh, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've changed batteries on games. Um, I've taken my NES apart and I've cleaned the terminals on there, and I've rebent the terminals so that they grip tighter on the boards. Yeah. Well, um, go, going along with like kind of how Andy is saying how like they 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 still run really well. Um, I don't know if you have you know, anything to, to say, but it's like Nintendo, when they came out with the NES was so keen on good products and that they came up with, uh, you know, like the Nintendo seal of quality. And we still see that too today, but like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like they hyped up the, like, if you get Nintendo stuff, it's going to work and it's going to work well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, you know, if Nintendo, for the most part, I mean, Nintendo has had their flops in all areas, but for the most part, you know that if Nintendo's coming out with something, it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be solid. No company has zero flops. Yeah. Like, I, a lot of their, not, like, most of their U.S. stuff was good because it was all tested in Japan first, but, like, especially in Japan (laughs) for Nintendo, they, they had quite a bit of bad, bad times. Well, (laughs) I I know we're running long on this episode, but you kind of, sort of went there. But that's something that Andy's done a little bit of looking into is the differences on the games in Japan and the United States. And, okay. it, you know, it's not like it's a ton, but it's pretty interesting. So what's what's the main difference between the two? It, the, okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> Take been, us step by step. <laughs> it, it's been kind of Nintendo heavy, but Nintendo, um, Mar- Super Mario Bros. 2 was a big was a big thing because everybody in Japan for the most part um all the designers of the game all like the difficulties of the game okay. so they came out with a, the number 2 the Mario Bros 2 and it looked the same it was graphical graphically the same as the first game except it was really hard <laughs> and they said that no one in the US is going to like this so they spent a long time developing the new game to get mario bros 2 what we have now but even the the super mario bros 2 that we have now is still a knockoff from another game they made in japan so it's 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 a big thing yeah (laughs) Yeah. that game was one of their biggest mess ups or not mess ups but differences between japan and the u.s right and a lot of that stems from their assumption that the game the gamers in japan and america um, are different, and I, I would assume it's it probably has a lot to do with just situations that you're playing the game, whether it's to beat the game or for leisure. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is just because the, the the players in Japan were able to handle; they would stick with a harder game for longer. Am I is this I, correct? Right? Yeah. Um. They 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 more enjoyed the challenge. Not this isn't necessarily Japan to U.S comparison but they for the most part the the challenge of the game was more enjoyed in japan and we liked it to be 
more of a game just to beat and play and have fun doing it. Just to leisurely sit down with some friends and yeah. so that kind of thing. I see what and you're is, saying. Is that, is that necessarily a distinction? You, you kind of brought it up too. Is that a distinction between Japan and the United States? Or is that a distinction between Japan, calling Japan the domestic market and the rest of the world a foreign market? It, I don't know. Um, it, It's just... Because it's not like these are the only two countries that we're having... I don't. I don't yeah. think it's because. I don't. I don't think it's because they were different. I think. Um, I don't know. This is hard to explain. I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's because that they uh, thought it was. It's hard. Oh, this is difficult for me. It's not like okay. Like what you're saying is like not that they thought it was unbeatable, but it's just that there's different markets with different preferences on games. Mm-hmm. Correct? Is that yeah, what you're trying yeah. to say? They, the the U.S. I think they were hoping they wanted the. They think they were wanting the U.S. game more polished, and the one in Japan was very crude compared to the first. Okay. Because it was just essentially the same game with different levels. Right. I see. I see. And I can it also wasn't see different enough for U.S. Okay. I can see how it's like also the way that like video games were brought up in Japan could have been a lot different than the U.S. Because a lot of like you know U.S. video gaming was kind of like the. You know, I mean, we started with that whole texture-based thing, and it wasn't. It was more of just kind of an experiment, and then people were like, "Pong was so simple, straightforward. Where it's just two people sitting down and doing this." Where video games could have been very different and presented very differently over there in Japan, where it's like it's more of like the competition and um, kind of the want to do the best that you can do in that kind of setting. I I also don't think that in Japan it was really like. I think video games were marketed to more teenagers and older people than in the U.S. I think in the U.S. it was marketed to children, okay, mostly. Oh, I can see that. Okay. I, I think I think it, attention span could have a lot to play in there because it was marketed to children in the U.S. And I, I I don't know this to be true, like absolute, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't just children in Japan. I think it was older people that had more attention span and more drive to play a harder game. And okay. now that you brought that up, that seems like it would be a major influencing factor. Yeah. Um, just overall attention span of age groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting, too. I mean, if you kind of look at the history of, like, video game advertising here in the U.S. and how much it changed between generation, where it would, like, target, you know, more males rather than females. And, like, just listening to old advertisements of video games, you can see that kind of different aspect between the two cultures. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, and especially since it's been going on for so long here, you can definite you can see a different lineage of advertisements as this looking at the same group of people, you can see the advertisements for the early stuff like PS1 that sort of thing was a lot of kid kind of games. And then you see advertise along with them, you see the advertisements grow older and older and older growing going along with the same age with the same people as they grow older appealing mm-hmm. appealing to the same market really mm-hmm. that might go along a little bit with what you're saying japan because obviously those games are hitting japan market before they're hitting united yeah. states market mm-hmm. i i yeah that, that could be very true mm-hmm. i did and i'm speculating on that too i mean i'm, yeah. I'm not like a <laughs> uh historical researcher on video game advertising. Um, <laughs> We're just conversing. I'm just going from, I'm just going from uh, what I've seen. <laughs> oh, that's good. But, well, uh, this episode has run a little bit long, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> I would like to have Andy back on to pick his brain a lot better about a little bit more because I feel bad because we didn't really hit the points that Andy could really dig into. Uh, but I'd like to have him back on to be able to talk about this a little bit more in terms of like the differences between the types of video games and, and the cultures as well. Yeah. Well, we'll have him back on, and if he doesn't want to, I'll make him. Oh. Okay. Uh, oh. But, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we got we got off onto a lot of tangents um, in this show. Not that we don't always do that anyway, but these ones seem to be like we didn't, you know, go down the rabbit hole. We fell slamming headfirst down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and then got stuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's Okay. <laughs> That's all right. As always, it's a wrap. Thank you guys so much for joining us here at Young Nostalgia this week as we continue our journey through the retro pop.
pop culture. As always, if you enjoy the show, leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen out there on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Please leave us a review. If you like the show or if you have a uh, personal comment or anything you'd like to say to us, give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure having you on, Andy. I hope you really join us again sooner. Thanks for thanks so much for supporting us and making our uh, episode Excuse me, our show cover art. There we go. Thanks, dude. Oh. <laughs> it looks great. But, all right, anything else, big guy? Between, I guess, two big guys on the other side? <laughs> no, I think we hit it all. And uh, Well, okay, we didn't hit it all. But what we did hit, we hit thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, that was a fun show. I'm always down to talk about old video games. Yeah, I agree. Um, Me too. I'm not a super gamer, but it's a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Any uh, two cents you want to put in, Andy, before we sign off? It was enjoyable. Kind (laughs) of. (laughs) Kind of? Maybe maybe we we won't have you on another show. (laughs) Maybe he just likes listening more than than participating in the show. That's funny. There was a few times you got caught off guard, so. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) Welcome to the club. Well, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody. <laughs>